Welcome to the Hearts of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, creation relationality continued with the architecture of chakras, chakral breathing, how intuition works, and of course, much more. It's a different take on the chakral system than you've likely heard before. I do hope you enjoy it. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, welcome forward, everybody. This is episode 40. That's like almost half of 100. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm don't I have no I have no response to that. It's so 40. fun. Well, wow. Man, I, as Stace was just saying before we started, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours uh, said that we were like the uh, uh, the car talk of metaphysics, which I take as very high <laughs> praise because uh, I don't I, I imagine that's still syndicated. That goes all the way back to when I was a teenager. Um, yeah. Click and clack the Tappet brothers, I believe their name was or something. But those guys are entertaining and brilliant and informative and if someone thinks that we're anywhere new, like like click and clack from Car Talk, uh, I I think that's great. I, one can only aspire to be that infotaining. <laughs> infotaining, and yeah. there we have a, a Josephism. Josephism. Oh, I, didn't, there. I didn't invent the word infotainment, but not many people will then yeah. go on to conjugate it in right. different ways and experience yes. the full range of endings. <laughs> Info, made up word, made up word. Infotainimation, info yes. tantamountness, info, I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to continue our foray into creation relationality today and talk about some chakra stuff as well. Um, and I was saying to Stace, I've been experimenting with, I believe what he said last time, to uh, be breathing, the, the breathing thing we talked about last time. And I, I am here to provide a testimonial. It absolutely worked. Um, so good. I couldn't do it for longer than about five minutes at a time, but, um, where should we start today? Well, let's, um, we, um, sort of dropped a, uh, a bomb in some ways, uh, last time, mm -hmm. um, about, uh, there only being six shock roll structures, um, with, uh, one in seven being the one themed, uh, chakra system, a uh, system just like there's themes associated with two, three, four, five, and six, uh, one and seven has um, uh, a, a theme of holy wholeness. Uh, and that's that that's a sixth mm. chakra. And so it has that if there's six chakra um, structures, then there's with um, uh, colorful pinwheels at the end of the each at each end, then we've got, of course, 12 uh, chakra pinwheels. And um, that that structure makes it a lot easier in one way or it takes a whole different tack on self-healing um, modalities by utilizing this plumbing system if we can use it pranic plumbing is a good uh, uh, is a good uh, moniker for it because um, with the two four and six being innies in other words um, coming into your you're the front of you and into the back of you uh, those innies uh, can be linked to an inhale, uh, a part of the breath. Mm -hmm. And one, three, five, and seven, um, those chakra structures are all yangic moving away from the body, from the front and the back. Uh, and those can be the exhale 
um, an exhale uh, dynamic that can be linked to the breath. Um, when you start using, in other words, for, identity offers um, a general title of avra prana for um, chakra, chakra body, third eye um, type of activity. And um, uh, in avra prana, uh, an avra prana, an avra pranist can help people um, ma magnify, um, uh, uh, certify, uh, and codify um, specific things going on in their world across the um, hood board. In other words, person from aged or sainthood. Um, but in this case, um, uh, Joseph had a great, um, uh, a, 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 asked me a question about how he could quicken or ameliorate, depending on what mood he is in, in any yeah. day. Um, uh, his, um, he's, he's standing on the precipice of uh, pre-dual slash non-dual um, awakening. And uh, uh, it's crazy making because in these days, um, awakening to the pre-dual non-dual is governed by a yin dynamic and it goes in slow motion for most people. <laughs> and that slow motion can create, for someone like Joseph who tracks minutia, pranic minutia, um, can create um, consciousness of, of strange and uh, and ir irritating kinds of disabilities. Str strange <laughs> and irritating disabilities. Yes. Uh, strange so, and irritating really aptly describes a lot of my experience of human existence <laughs> recently. Yeah, strange right. and irritating. Oh. Okay, so let's let's just use the, Joseph as, as our first example sure. of how avraprannically. Um, Agava Pranas can guide someone, whether it's a personhood, sagehood, or sainthood um, um, domain, to the next level uh, past the um, envelope uh, uh, that they're going through at the moment, uh, pushing the envelope, whatever stage that is. There's some shock roll. Uh, you can utilize sh the shock roll pranic plumbing system, which I'll describe a little more here in a moment. Um, to help you to the next stage of anything you're going through, which we've not had that kind of elemental uh, usage of the chakra system as we haven't had a really emotive-based uh, paradigm looking at it. You know, uh, I, I feel like uh, I feel a little guilty for bringing us back into sagehood a lot because that's what's going on a lot for me. But there, we here's a follow up question on the now thing we talked about. I think this was last time. Yeah, last time. Um, sainthood versus sagehood now. I'm having yes. the experience and I've had this a few times when we start doing a podcast of that. Like right now we're talking and we're recording this podcast. And in some way in my perception of reality, this isn't actually happening. That's the experience. Like this isn't, this isn't happening. This isn't real. How does that make sense relative to endowment? Because if there's this feeling that this isn't happening and this isn't real, wouldn't that mean I'm not in the now? Yes. <laughs> okay. So. Cause you're still abstracting. Aha. See? Oh, you I'm see? seeing the abstraction mechanism. Exactly. You're uh -huh. not being it yet. Uh -huh. uh, when, when you're being in the now, you don't track you're in the now. Okay. And, and the, the now is an absence of something, not a presence of something is a better way to say uh -huh. it. Uh -huh. So it's sense? that I've been in and out of the now is causing yes. me to experience a sort of 
um, surreal disorientation when I'm not in the now because now I have an anchor point for what being in the now is. Exactly right. Oh, that was so few words, so much meaning there. Exactly right. That's why strange and irritating. Strange and irritating. That's why it feels unreal because Mm -hmm. you've got a you've got an offset uh, uh, that you're conscious of that is not in the now and making it feel like this isn't real. Just like you said, Uh isn't that interesting? And now it feels realer. Just having said that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and people think, um, especially with um, E.T.'s uh, book, Power of Now, um, it, it, we inadvertently and unconsciously revert to the now as a noun. Um, but it's a, if it's a noun, <laughs> oh, right? The power the now of is now. is a noun. Wow, what a crazy, yeah. that, that's so yeah. not how it is. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's not a noun. It is a, it is a, um, and I, I'll sometimes I, I'll use the word transcendental without choking too badly, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a it's a transcendental uh, bandwidth uh, that's that that is more an absence of a noun than it is a presence of a noun. You can not, we can nounize it colloquially if we want to talk about it, but uh, it's not what it is. And that's the that's the isn't that the the, the challenge with language, uh, Joseph? Yeah. We can to to make something real enough to talk about. We have to we have to um, edify it with labels when the thing that we're describing doesn't have edgy uh, edginess to it. Uh, yeah, and so then risk distorting it. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So the now is much more of an absent thing. Uh, you can't track it while you're trying to track it. <laughs> so here's what I think was going on, because now that I now that I um, <laughs> you know, sort of feel into that and, and uh, that, that shift is happening, having named it, what I feel is it put me it's putting me more in this feeling of that I'm falling forward into my experience of life. And that yes. starts to feel out of control. And I think that's the very thing that was keeping me out of the now of like the now is this infinite falling feeling for some part of me that it wanted to not do. And then when I when that part of me tries to contract from that, well, then I feel disoriented and everything doesn't feel real. So it's like they both are bad feeling. Just one is good and the other is not. (laughs) <laughs> Even though they both feel bad. Yeah. But welcome to a, a pretty good headline uh, in, in identity for those that are out there that um, good and bad uh, um, can apply to uh, both feeling good and feeling bad. Yes, that's so, why though I said to Stacey, and I'll say it again here, the last episode I titled The Necessary Descent into Personal Hell. Yeah. Uh, and so there are many different facets of that gem. <laughs> and here's another one. Well, one more uh, comment about what you just said about falling forward. Um, we're conditioned to feel from in the front of us a substantive world, <laughs> oh, right? God. A substantive world, and when the now starts slipping in, it it it, it literally voids the substantive world. So you can it, you feel like you're falling forward into an empty, see? Uh-huh. Because the, it's the like substance. Like the floor falling out from under you, except it's a the wall front. in front of you. It's the loss of the nounification of things. Exactly mm. right. So the loss of the nounification of things uh, 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 puts us in contact with the non-substantiality of the now, which is space and time, um, space and time. Uh, and we'll get that, create that uh, falling forward feeling because it's an absence now 
carved out of the substantiveness of the world in front of us full of light and dualism and experiential energy and all that stuff. Mm. So, yeah, we can decode pretty much um, most of the items of the human condition one way or the other. Yeah, so, so, it's, so it's been my experience, yeah. So Joseph um, is uh, in the slow motion track of a pre-dual, pre-dualizing, non-dualizing awakening. And uh, because he's so perceptive and articulate uh, with, with, with um, etheric energies, uh, he um, is going through this in slow motion, as we say. So I, I gave him a little assignment, um, and I'd like to decode why, what it was and why, um, going right back forward to the chakra system. And we is, did um, we did do that on air last time, I think, but it probably stands uh, to be reviewed. Oh, oh did we? Oh, I, think, I, I, I think forgot. So. Yeah, but anyway, well, I'm sure people. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, let's just real quick. Um, it was about um, uh, asking Joseph to um, see what happens when he breathes in four, the fourth chakra, middle of the chest, from front and back as best he can. Um, a lot of times, you can practice by breathing in through the front one and then and then breathing through the back one separately until you can get them both at the same time. It's just a matter of practice. It's actually not as hard as you might think. Mm -hmm. Breathing in four, uh, yinically, because it's an any yin chakra uh, structure, breathing out five, which is front and back of the throat, breathing in six, uh, front and back, and out seven and one, top and bottom. Uh, the, and, and what he did, we talked about before starting today, uh, the difference between just breathing in six and out one and set, six front and back and one, yeah. uh, one and seven run and, and starting with the, the heart chakra. Yeah. What I experienced very quickly was I started doing the, the in six and then out one and seven. And just after, I don't know, maybe not even a minute, um, Oh, I, I started up by trying to do both and alternating, but it was just a lot for my mind to track. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just do the six one and revisit the four one later. And sure. I found in like 30 seconds, it was just, I felt that I was transcending. I was starting to kind of leave my body. And then I remembered why you said to do the four one. And I was like, oh, this is important because I, you have to do both. Or otherwise I'll, I'll be disappearing out the top of my seventh chakra, which is what an emotive <laughs> wound-based part of me wants to do. So, yes. uh, and it was, I'm glad it was uncomfortable for me. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I went back to doing, to alternating four and six. So there's some breath work linked to chakral structures, which had to be redefined, in my opinion, uh, to be able to really maximize uh, uh, this possibility of you linking the breath. Because when our attention is focused on the breath and then we utilize we link that attentive paying it uh, attentive focus on the breath and link it to sh the way the chakras are already inflowing and outflowing you can do a whole host of things that help ensoulment i'd like to just to just to give a quick overview of the whole system and why that works that way is um there's five basic um when we talk about, uh, let's just talk about the front and back and uh, top and bottom right now. But uh, the rear of us is where, is best with, where with um, quotation marks around it, is, uh, is, is the soul domain, 
And uh, in front of us, if you did a sagittal cut through the top of the head, which is most people know what a sagittal cut is, front and no, half. Wait, most people definitely don't know what sagittal is. Okay. <laughs> a sagittal cut is, imagine not a guillotine, the other another dimension where it goes, a big blade uh, or, or saw goes through the top of your head front to back. So it, it separates you front and back in half that way. Yeah. A sagittal cut um uh, uh, the rear is our soul domain, and the, the the front is our human domain. All of our human activity is face we face into it. That's the way divine being unfolded, I guess. So um, when you have chakras ready made, communicating between the front and the back, yinically and yonically, yogically, inwardly and outwardly, you've got a communication system between the soul and the human right there to be utilized uh, but you need to you first need to be educated on that system existing in that way in the first place so when we breathe in four let's just go go, go through it here pretty quickly when we breathe in four which is a yin any uh, uh, chakra from front and back from the front it goes in the front of four through the central canal and passes human information to our soul. Mm. When we breathe out through five now, now, now no, let's, let's back up. I don't want to get confusing. Uh, it not only proceeds horizontally and, and imparts human information to the soul, it also, bits of it, a percentage of it goes out one and seven as it passes through, which informs divine being and mother earth of our experience in the human. Did you track mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. In four and in, in, the, in the back of four, the any from the back is the soul talking to us. The any from the front is the human talking to the soul and they meet in the middle and goes top and bottom and uh -huh. the information goes to divine being meta context see soul is context human is content front and back and front and divine being one and seven holy wholeness is a meta context in other words you can use chakral breathing to hyper um uh, it, it intensify information um, uh, communication between soul, human, and divinity. And that's exactly what the pranic pl plumbing system looks like. If you if you look at it from the side, you'd see these uh, two, three, four, and five, uh, these horizontal canals, you'll see the, the, the and six, and then you'll see the vertical canal, and if you see it that way, it's almost like um, our etheric skeleton. It's a uh, through which uh, the inside of the bones of the channels are not is not uh, bone marrow, of course, it's prana. These are tubes. So you've got this informational interchange uh, going through at all times, indexed vertically by divine being and the earth being one, one, um, one domain, as we said last time. And the, and the rest of the information, think of it, our two going in from the from the front is is sending information to the central canal about our 
our, our sexuality and our creativity. And then that gets registered, goes shoop, right, and also in from the back. Um, uh, the soul is adding its experience in the past or in the present of, of sexuality and creativity I different see. than the human version. So this is like the plumbing architecture of ensoulment. It's the paths yeah. through which ensoulment actually happens. It, it's a beautiful way of putting it. Um, and we, to have this at our fingertips is extraordinarily helpful in helping us quicken our ensoulment by, unfortunately, also counter-illuminating resistances. In other words, um, if you start breathing in uh, two um, from the front and the back, breathing in from the back, the soul is going to have information for you for how soul does sex or creativity. Mm -hmm. And if you're breathing in from um, uh, the front of two, you're going to have your human experience talking. That uh -huh. gets shot up the elevator to seven and uh, up to seven and down to one, uh, to same domain, uh, only two different uh, poles. And what you're going to do is by sending it that way, you're going to enhance divine being's guidance to talk to you about. Because where it dissonates, it's going to sort of light up in your experience. You're gonna, where the soul and the local personality are at odds, you're gonna feel that. Exactly. Breathing in and two, breathe, breathing in four, or two, sorry, from front and back, and then, and then shooting it up and down in one and seven, uploads our creative sexual um, uh, dynamic that we're, whatever bandwidth in or frequency where it's it's happening now right to divine being and the divine being will uh, through the earth um uh, uh through the front end activate your heart chakra to start to digest its guidance i know i'm being a little obtuse here but i just wanted to, i'm touching different bases here to try to get across this complex but actually pretty simple system and why breathing in certain uh, uh scenarios uh, Joseph might be able, you might be able to come up with a couple of, of um, uh, roadblocks in any well, three of the hoods. I have, and, have an example right now that just, that just hit me. I was feeling the back of four versus the front of four. And the first thing that hit me is that the back of four doesn't like how closed the front of four is. Uh -huh. There's a, there's a dissonance there. The, the back of four is like, why aren't you why aren't you caring more is sort of the words i would put it it's like why aren't you risking caring more and mm -hmm. there's like two different points of view there and the, the front of four there's i can feel the fear there that is the answer to that sure uh and and uh, as a little add-on to that perfectly described there and exactly what we're trying to say here, which, again, I apologize for some of the obtuosity to, to it. Well, we're the, we're the car talk of metaphysics, so we get yeah, to that's do right. that now. Oh, that's right. How many people know are technically familiar with the workings of an automobile, you know, yeah. uh, why it all works? Hey, that was an NP a famous NPR show. If it can be well, if that can be well received, then so can this be. Sure. Um for yin beings, let's just uh, do a little sidebar on that one, uh, on four, uh, Joseph, especially yin-based beings in this lifetime, women, um, or a man who's a male who's got a lot of yin in his one-third yin. Um, what, what, what can happen here is that when we, we can either underdo closeness and vulnerability in four, 
or merge too much in relationality with, with four. When we're merging with four, what we're doing is selling out three, our personal power. You see, mm-hmm. we that it's overshadowing our personal power. Someone who's in a who is a rabidly codependent. Um, I can't live without you. Um, if I if I stop seeing you, I will die. To exaggerate, has a far uh, too um, wound based four fourth chakra and a completely wound-based, undervalued three chakra, which is the center of personal power. Well, the reason which, we have by this- the way, is what we're taught it should feel like when we're falling in love. Let's just insert that there. <laughs> <laughs> we just yes. we just recast like, you know, a couple thousand years of conditioning about falling uh, thank in love you. and how that's supposed to be in one sense. Uh, yeah, I forget <laughs> I forget what, what world I'm talking with sometimes. That's why I'm here. Thank, thank you, Joseph. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so, in other words, what, what chakra breathing can do along with dharma and either sage, saint, or personhood, depending on the domain, what, what it can do is illuminate this these kinds of deficits where the ideal would be our personal power is strong, and which is a, a yangic self-dynamic, ex- self, um, uh, and four is a closeness and vulnerability uh, uh, chakra, they're supposed to be balanced so that you don't merge too much with your partner or block too far from people or the world, mm-hmm. or you don't overdo um, three because you're you're blocked in four. So you can all these kinds of things um, get illuminated uh, to an avapranist uh, when they look at your field or ask you to breathe through certain chakras and then t- and then report what you sense, which is what you just did there. Uh-huh. Uh, so in that sense, um, uh, what a Navarpranas might say is, okay, uh, what's your what's your name? Oh, Joseph. Yes, Joseph. Um, what there's a couple of possibilities here. I see there's a lot of aeration going on through uh, seven, uh, and you've got a. Uh, in fact, it's aerating so seven so much you're not conscious of how much six information is going in because it's drafting. Uh, once that's once you fully awaken and uh, um, the you'll be able to perceive how much your third eye is is acutely tuned into everything, which is a little blurry right now. Whoa! So you're saying that part of the transcendence motive in me is to not actually realize how much I'm taking in in six. Yes. Yeah, that feels true. Um, and the thing about it is you think, well, uh, why is a partial uh, a partial opening in seven, let's say, as uh, Joseph has at the moment, and that's reasonable for where he's at. Uh, why, why is that problematic? Why wouldn't it why wouldn't a fully <laughs> open one uh, um, disorient you? It's the same principle. It's all physics. This is just etheric physics. When you have there's a lot of wind outside and you have an open window just a little, mm-hmm. you're going to have a rush of air. Uh, you're going to have a whistling. Uh, you've got um, dissonant energies here as the pressure outside and the pressure inside whistle through with a lot of turbulence. Whereas if you open the windows uh, all the way and the pressure inside the room and outside the room uh, equalizes, you don't get much flow or much dissonance. They they equalize and balance out, yeah. which is why they tell you to open windows during a tornado. 
Yeah. Right. Open all the windows. So the so there's not such a big difference in outside low pressure and inside high pressure to blow out your walls. But but is what's so cool about that metaphor is in both cases our protection mechanisms. That's the last thing they want to do. Well, yes. there's a tornado outside. Close all the windows so it doesn't <laughs> yes. get in. It's, yes. it's, we do that on the on an emotional level too. Like, oh no, this well, thing is coming to get me. I need to keep it out. Like, yeah, exactly. So um, that's why a partially open seven for Joseph will dull his conscious tracking of how much information is going in six, which, as you, as he so humbly said, is protection. Doesn't want him to know because uh, he had to stop. That that information in some way, uh, if he can, if he could, just to survive and be learn to be a human being. Mm -hmm. uh, Joseph's uh, third eye is every bit as developed as his his beloved's, who's off the charts on uh, her her third eye accessing. So yeah, I've been thinking so, about that very thing recently. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I know this This is a little hard to describe in words first time through, um, and a lot of it needs examples to really make it drive it home. But the, the headline here is, seeing this chakropronic plumbing system in this way opens up a whole, a whole domain of chakral doctoring, um, where self-healing and uh, if you have an avapranist at hand that you can consult with, who can see the, the flows and what's going on, link it to the experiences that certain test breathings do uh, uh, in, a, in an avaprani, let's say, um, then, then things can be diagnosed much more quickly and definitively and steps taking to um, treat whatever is going on. So um, again, uh, I'd love to be able to flash a graphic here uh, <laughs> of this, but if you can imagine, if you can imagine Second chakra, all the yin chakras are inhale, um, a metaphors for inhaling, and all the yangic are, are for exhaling, which means the first, you, you have to have an inhale before you can ever exhale, right? And then you need an exhale in order to make room for the next inhale. But sequentially, you need an inhale to get the whole thing started. You can't inhale, you'll exhale yourself and just, and you'll just die. So inhale is the more primary, which is why it's a yin uh, a dynamic. It's uh -huh. a, it's it's in inward breathing. So when you in, in breathe, you're you are yinically uh, relating to life. Then you breathe out. Um, let's say breathe in two, breathe out three, breathe in four, breathe out five, breathe in six, breathe out one and seven. In other words, one and seven go last. The first chakra that is inhaling in that sense is two. Now, I, I would have called two one because it's the primary pl um, place that we inhale pranic energy from our front facing life mm -hmm. is through two. It's the first one. It sets all the others in motion, even though you can breathe separately between all of them. But I would call, since one and seven are, are one dynamic, I would have called the second chakra one, the third chakra two, which is just different nomenclature, but it's the same reality, different frame. So the whole point of the, all this is, look what we get when we drop that bomb, Joseph, last po uh, podcast, about one and seven being one, do one spirit domain with just differing density poles. 
instead of two separate worlds that we were all taught that we were all taught for the last thousand or two thousand years two a mundane world and a supernatural world or a mundane world and a non-dual uh, world mm. not world uh, either either one of those they're fundamentally different but they're not and they're all part of one spirit domain because nothing can be outside of God. Yeah, I still having waves of um, insights about that, like the the significance of how we've, you know, personhood paradigms work on being human and being here and spiritual paradigms work on the spirit domain. But if structurally the one and seven, the six, what we're calling the sixth chakra are actually one system, then it yeah. means architecturally those can't be separated ever. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> just enormously significant. It is. And it was hiding in plain sight, you yeah. know, even, even for me, I mean, I, I operated and have been doing Avaprana with people very effectively with the old system in some way, because uh, you can learn how to um, uh, work with the spins of uh of the of the chakras to actuate growth and help healing and sometimes um get rid of uh of uh, entities that have um attached to certain wounds in us and get them out of the field and for a random oblique validation of that uh, uh I, I told you this already but i think it would be fun uh, my, my my girlfriend who, who generally likes her name not to be named on this podcast um but okay. she as, as they recently said uh, has a enormous third eye and when I said after that podcast, I said, boys, as we recorded it, uh, boys, Stays dropped a bomb today um, that there are only six chakras. And I just sort of watched her to see what she did with it and didn't tell her anything else. And she said she sort of didn't really even skip a beat. She's like, oh, you mean one in seven? And I said, <laughs> go on. <laughs> She's like, well, they're the same. And, yeah. I, and I actually pulled out my phone and recorded what she said because I wanted to hear what her take on that was and capture that. Uh, and she basically said, you know, at least 50% or more of what you said. And, mm -hmm. and, and she didn't seem to take in the significance of it. And I said, right. that's fine. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, well, like what, what? I mean, I didn't even know what to ask. Like, how did you get this? She's like, well, that's how it, it's always looked to me. But yeah. nobody ever talks about it that way, so I just didn't say anything. <laughs> like, wow, is there a acreages of information in that statement, right? Oh my God! You know, I'm I'm I just turned seventy one in October, and it took me um, all this time to 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 notice that I had blockages in my personal that didn't allow me to see it. Um, and and once that happens, I saw it. But here, she's been seeing it her whole life, and she's. A lot younger than me, so there's the power not only of Yin, but the mm -hmm. power of uh, her gift is, and and a gift that large. I've met s not many, but several people with a gift that large, and it really is just as much a disability and a nightmare as it is a superpower that you would want to acquire. It's a disability. It's, it makes it very hard to be centered in your human or centered in your soul when you're overwhelmed moment to moment with a flood of information that goes inward in six. So when someone looks, when someone wants to um, uh, bet on um, uh, uh, a World Cup, uh, who's going to be, be, uh, win in the World Cup, uh, you might think a psychic shoots a beam out of uh, six uh, to <laughs> read out the system and see if he can see ahead in time. That's not how it works. Uh, a lot of third eye people don't really get that it's a yin chakra. Mm -hmm. 
and they're literally they're they're receiving information that they then have to collate if they become conscious of it and and try to focus you 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 have you can't reach out with two, with six chakra you have to let go and let it come in and then you'll get impressions it's like um imagine um the inside of your head is uh, clay and it's got it you've got an, you're in a sandstorm and there's a hole in your forehead and uh the particles of sand are going in six and interacting and embedding themselves in the clay of inside your head. That's exactly how third eye information goes in. Kernels of information connect to our our um, our logical brain mind for us to collate and then figure what how can I translate this impression that I'm getting right now. And most of the time it comes in clairsentience, which is, which I'll talk about next here, mm -hmm. uh, clairsentience, feeling things that are not in your present um, visual or experiential world. So um, I think that's uh, without a graphic, um, that's as much as I want to say, uh, because it can be confusing about the flows and the structures and stuff without a graphic. Um, but I'd like to talk about uh, third eye a little more now because um, the whole end of creation, relational um, uh, dharma and experience is picking up spiritual realities uh, in the human theater, right? In our dense human theater, we are already in spirit, but third eye allows communication uh, in different uh, modalities with the information that's invisible and non-experiential to our five senses, six senses. I, I think we have six senses, by the way, where thought is the sixth sense. Well, here's this, yeah, I've always loved that, but here's a, a sidebar. If you use the chakras as sense organs, uh -huh. yes, aren't there more like being turned on sexually? That's a sense, isn't it? Yes, uh-huh, sure. And intuition is a sense. Yes. That's seven and eight. Uh, mm -hmm. The heart senses, it senses emotion that's a sense absolutely right? so sure. I, there's a sense for every chakra it seems to me it is related to the theme uh yeah. characterized and colored by that by the theme of the chakra mm -hmm. so yeah you could say we have um six chakral senses in addition to the six um senses of uh of the our local personality senses yeah of human exactly senses. right Oh, soul uh, senses versus human senses, maybe. There you go. There you go. Cool. That's wonderful. Nice, yeah. nice connection there. See, I can put out the raw stuff and then Joseph translates it so we can all understand it, including me. <laughs> Sometimes including I, me. yeah, including me. I'll, I'll download, I'll get downloads like this and I'll spew out raw material and Joseph will smelt it right mm. away uh, as it comes out and shapes <laughs> it. <laughs> Like, like a refinery. Joseph's a walking uh, informational <laughs> refinery that smelts my raw raw um, information into applicable rubber meets the road uh, dynamics. So, yeah. Well, thanks. Senses. I'm happy to okay. be smelting. Yes. So um, the third eye is and fourth and sixth. Let's talk about those for a moment um, because they're very similar they're both yin chakras and they're only separated by our willfulness in five uh, three is our seat of personal power for identity and five its next uh, um, consequent yangic uh, chakra is the use of our personal power through will 
So if you if you have a if your person has um, issues with their thyroid or um, their vocal cords uh, that are sort of inborn or they get diseases there, they're underwilling. Um, their their will is either well, it could be either overused or underused to create dissonance for thyroid cancer or these things. These are all contributions. But the the point I want to make here is that four and six are both yin um, and and heart sense sometimes has very similar bandwidths and frequencies as third eye sense mm-hmm. sensibilities. So um, heart sense is more in the present uh, and the and the uh, not the now. The wait, that's a, another distinction here. It's pre- present stuff the heart will feel. And when when you're sensing, oh, I think my friend Joseph um, is eating oatmeal right now, which sometimes I get, I get, I get people <laughs> what people are eating sometimes. That would be you a can't third control eye. what information comes in. Yeah, no, I, I often can't. foresee what bills I'm going to receive in my mailbox for some reason. I'll just see it like, <laughs> okay, thanks, the divine right. for showing me what I'm getting in the mail today. Like, <laughs> yes. So, the, so the uh, distinction here is um, what the heart receives information that's in your present world and present location if it goes into another location or out of the right present right right now because the now describes the present too that's a small n now um that's it's a heart it's a fourth chakra dynamic if it's if it's not local in time or space then it will be a a sixth chakra um dynamic so Someone who has been opened up in personhood, Joseph, um, which is reducing ever more thinly uh, the block over fourth chakra that we all are engineered to have because we didn't get a, get heart food sufficiently in childhood from any parenting, any styles of parenting, even with parents who did the best they could do, were underfed. Because unless a parent, as we said in earlier podcasts, has created an emotional, spiritually mature heart. They don't know how to, they don't have the milk to feed children. Not milk, it's bad bad metaphor. Cow yeah. milk for, for, for kids, what? What is this? Yeah. Um, so uh, by that, in that sense, um, the the uh, if a person has ensouled their personal being to some degree uh, and has six, sixth degree, uh, sixth chakra, uh, gifts, they can be overwhelmed by feelings, by impressions uh, that um, that make it hard to cognate, collate, and comprehend moment to moment what's going on in in their world. Which, since 2012, you know, um, uh, many people, especially women, have been dis- disabled. It's like their cognitive. Um, dynamics are being unplugged in slow motion or sometimes abruptly for people. And they have an event for women, especially uh, because two and four are being supported in all of us in this yin, in this yin ages now. And in that sense, uh, if you're already sensitive in four and you already have gifts in six, the yin dynamic that raises all yin uh, boats is going to have a larger effect in disabling some of our yangic accommodative uh, realities of life and make you not able to think clearly and brain fog and brain fog is not just created by by long covid um, or <laughs> any, or or anything else uh, organic uh, it's caused by in the present day 
sensitive people in four and gifted people in six who happen to have both those um, those uh, arrays in that way are really struggling uh, trying to maintain a uh, positive, uh, logical, grounded kind of life. Uh, it's just it's just very difficult for people in fourth chakra and sixth chakra gifts. When yeah, I said before we went on air, I said it's like uh, what was happening for me these days feels like walking a tightrope while drinking alcohol. It's, like, <laughs> it's already difficult. Why am I getting drunk? Why am I getting drunker and making it harder? But um, yeah. Yeah. So um, in that sense, if you happen to have a difficulty with uh, cognitivity in the last couple of years, um, please know that you might be a sensitive both in four and six, get with four and six gifts, and there's nothing wrong with you. It's what's right about you that's disabling you, which is a hard thing to deal with when what's disabling you is right, is yeah. correct for you, is applicable to you, right? So um, in that way, uh, when we, um, well, last point about the chakras and we'll move, oh, we'll, we'll come back up for a moment here. I want to finish something with chakras I just thought of. Uh, the a, Someone, a good avapranist has gifts in four and six, and they can read out and feel um, with di two different frequencies, but similar, they, they coordinate, um, they're resonant. Uh, they can see things and feel things in a person sitting in front of them and able to diagnose with four and six, a combination of four and six, not just six, what's going on with chakral uh, situations with the uh, with the person that would explain the symptoms the person has come in to see the avapranist uh, to look at in the first place. So the report of symptoms, the avapranist looks through, uh, gets impressions, receives impressions through four and six, and then can make that diagnosis. But uh, creation relational, um, uh, another way to uh, ground it, let's do a grounded version that has nothing to do with third eye, and that is uh, the ass meditation. <laughs> Remember the, the ass meditation? ass meditation, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, what it is, it's an activation in some way or a clearing uh, or a usage of the 1-7 uh, chakral canal system. What happens is you um, you sit with your butt uh, flat on the ground as best as you can. Can't use a meditation bench. Got to sit flat on the ground. And you start to feel because you can track, you, you can start to track how one goes into the earth in the same way seven goes into the heavens. Um, so to speak. And if you track the way your first chakra can you penetrate, let's say, root. the earth, uh, the floor that you're, chakra, right? yeah, the root chakra, um, penetrates the floor. N now you start feeling and you can flash on your mind to, to, okay, here's a picture and there's a feeling. Here's a picture, there's a feeling. Underneath the floor is uh, a, an airspace. Okay, so now I'm connecting to the airspace. And then I'm connecting below the airspace between the, the artificial floor and the foundation. Okay, now I'm I'm feeling the foundation. And then I'm starting to feel, go through the foundation, I'm feeling the, the raw earth um, underneath uh, the foundation. And now, once you hit to the raw earth under the foundation, foundation, you can go lateral in 360 degrees, whatever point of the compass or micro point of the compass you wanna go and expand and feel the whole earth, feel the whole earth sitting on your butt. 
it can expand outward. That's when third can get in the game and actually give you a sensory reality of the universality and the oneness of everything and how it's glued together with spirit. So there's a case of using one uh, uh, to help ground and connect to the universality of how nothing is disconnected. Even air connects. There's air connecting you to the wall behind you, right? And you can go in any direction in a three in a spherical. Now we go from a 360 to a spherical. And uh, any point, any radii in that uh, radius in that sphere, uh, you can connect to everything in that way consciously, and not just define yourself by the edges of your skin and uh, your your history in your memory. There's a whole other world that's operating all the time off the. Uh, the, the um, table of our consciousness that we're, we can train ourselves to become conscious of using chakral energies. Mm-hmm. So there's another case where um, the body can get in, get into the game, the physical body, because uh, next thing I want to talk about is chakral bodies, uh-huh. which is a different, there. yeah, a, a different cut, a different cut through the pie of our soulful being. Uh, Associated with each one of our what we call the um, the twelve holes uh, uh, or sp- spinning pinwheels, let's say that that prana is either going in and out of there. You have an associated um, chakra body that is coming out about five or let's do it in in, in order. A second chakra body. You have a second chakra body that coordinates with the second chakra that goes about five to six inches out of your physical body. One is your physical body, is the first chakra body. The second chakra body is an etheric body, one step less dense, and it's about five or six inches away. Then the third chakra has a third chakra body associated with another five or six inches. And this goes on and on and on until we get to the seventh uh, chakra body that um, has is operating on a, on a single axle if you think of it that way, it's rotating like a tire in a horizontal domain um, through the axle of the one and seven. Uh, and all of these are are um, are interacting with each other. And we can see, avapranists can see um, blockages and, um, and, and cloggings and dissonances in the chakra bodies that correspond to um, what's going on. For example, if someone has... Um, uh, has uh, splenic problems, which not many people do. It may be an injury to the spleen and it can't heal. You could not only look at, at the third chakra canal system, which goes horizontally, you can look at the third chakra body and see if there's something in the, in the chakra body that needs to be um, massaged through or rubbed out or lifted out just like um, like chiropractors and massage therapists do when they when they rub out um, uh, contractions in your musculature or your tendons. And so, these chakra bodies is what most paradigms would call auras, right? That's what people are seeing. Well, that's what they can sense. Yeah, the aura, what we see. Yes, thanks. Um, the chakra bodies, um, and they're they're glowing with the same colors as we associated uh, associate with um, the chakras. Uh, faint colors, um, but they see a rain. You see a rainbow thing around the head and shoulders of people, the aura, or sometimes a little lower in the body. Those are the chakra bodies 
glowing. So it's a different uh, a different dynamic, but another whole domain of our soulfulness uh, that um, that an avapranas can utilize to try to help folks with emoto energetic emoto spiritual issues and also that these chakra bodies are aspects of the soul because the body is inside the soul so when people say uh, talk about someone's aura which we would say someone's chakra body that's not something the body is putting out right it's something the soul is putting out it's it's a precipitate of the soul just like the body is it's all soul yeah. Exactly, and, just different densities. And this is why I, I, I often thought this is why we have a sense of personal space when someone is too close. They're standing yes. in your soul. You yes, <laughs> exactly right. The, the, soul, the body is in the soul. The soul is not inside the body. So you're exactly right. These are just segments uh, with different qualities, density, uh, density factors, and colors. Um, you could say the chakra bodies is the soul, and the soul can go out, let's see, there's five or six of them, 25 inches um, or so above your head, below your feet. Um, it, it goes through the floor and the ceiling if you're in a low <laughs> low ceiling thing. That's the, that's the soul um, cocoon that we're walking in all the time, uh, where the body that we, we identify as in ourselves is just chakra, the chakra one body. I and imagine this is why a standard ceiling is eight feet, I think. And it's probably because any lower and we feel it, right? We don't yes. like that. Yeah, exactly right. Mm -hmm. I happen to be, um, uh, I, I realized why I would have been claustrophobic most of my life is because- um, <laughs> You need more than eight feet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, most of the time, even though I'm sh I'm sure I'm only five, eight, um, uh, uh, just a bit more than the cruise guy, the cruise boy. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Uh, um, but I, I have always been claustrophobic and I have to have a lot of room uh, above my head and around my body. And that's why um, these these the widths, this five or six inches is the average. Some people have a foot uh, of, mm -hmm. of um, segmentation of the other bodies. And their soul is usually because they've lived so bloody long, had so many lifetimes, they've accumulated so much life data. <laughs> their soul expands with experience, you know, and so older souls uh, tend to um, get fatter in soul, you could say. Mm, <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's why younger so souls, it's that you see younger souls tend to be um, more attracted to collectivistic paradigms. And they're like, you know, you see like eight people stuffed in a car and like they don't seem oh, to yeah. mind that. They seem to even enjoy it. I can't even imagine that kind of sure. thing. It makes me claustrophobic immediately. Yeah. So younger souls, um, collectivism uh, in all forms, uh, are, only younger souls buy into um, collectivistic uh, philosophies uh, mm -hmm. that where the group's needs are more important than the individual's. You know, yeah, that's something find to grow it cozy, up, uh, not claustrophobic. Yes, mm -hmm. Exactly right. Uh, we all have to grow out of that stage. Um, and, but uh, one day, one lifetime, uh, so that we know we now start prioritizing, start pivoting on the other end healthy, mature, emotively mature self-interest is more important than group interest that we um, that we grow in. Eventually, you've got to have both equal, uh, not one more than the other. Collectivism denigrates the, um, the, uh, the individual and uh, narcissism denigrates the group. Mm -hmm. You've got to find eventually when you heal, then we've got it's serve uh, ourselves 
and others equally and lovingly. Um, that's our goal. That's the goal. But so depending on which younger souls tend to be collectivistic and less, less individualistic, middle-aged souls tend to be narcissistic individualistic, uh, um, and uh, older souls are heartfully, um, there's no word for a collectivistic and narcissistic medium except selfist was the word selfist oh yes an old term from the old days selfist not selfish emotively mature uh, self uh, orientation is selfist whereas as opposed to selfish another so, paradigm by the way somebody told me uh, use that word some other teacher in the world is using the word selfist yeah well free um <laughs> Bree found uh, recently a uh, the first uh, shock roll um, graphic that uh, showed yin and yang uh, flows copyrighted in 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my information stuff started to go out uh, in the early 90s uh, when the internet was just unfolding. And so we found many examples where phrases were lifted right out of some of my earlier uh, websites and you know i'm fine with that in one sense because part of the job here is to bring a paradigm and get it um uh, uh, go out into the world and so if people want to steal and make it their own uh without acknowledging the source that they got that from that's between them and karma mm -hmm. uh, for me i'm not so bothered by being i used to be uh but not anymore I'm heartened by the fact that someone might be, people have copied some of the phraseology and terms out there that were not out there before the 90s, early 90s. So I'm heartened by that, that, oh, I'm doing some good, even though if I'm, um, Bree and I are in some ways um, sort of just surviving, uh, living in a little small cottage uh, in, a, in a, by the grace of divine being uh, with a landlord who gave us uh, half off. Um, no, on that yeah. subject, you were the first person I heard, or mm -hmm. you know, your paradigm the, was the first um, venue in which I heard the term "feel into." I'm going to feel into this, and mm -hmm. now I hear that pretty often. People mm -hmm. say that, and so mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I don't know if that was a, a term you necessarily coined or whether it was uh, independently arising in different places, which sometimes happen. But I find sure. it very interesting that. Uh, some of those yeah. terms sort of become, uh, you know, part of the vernacular. Yeah, um, the common in this country, anyway, in my experience, was uh, in the '60s and '70s, coming from. I'm coming from this. Yeah, I'm coming from that. Uh, I, it always seemed backwards to me. It seems split. Feel into, not come from, is uh -huh. a, a whole other orientation. See. But I, one last point on that is um, I actually found uh, um, a, a woman who uh, took literally 75 to 80% verbatim uh, 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 items from my old website, uh, the old uh, 1.0, mm -hmm. and put, put her name on it uh, without acknowledging uh, the, the source. In those days, I was a little more bothered by it than I am now, which is almost not, not at all. It's a compliment in some ways to me, but that's different for them. This, them and their karma, they got to have to. Do, they and their karma have to deal with it. Anyway, I contacted her uh -huh. and said, um, "This is, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Stace Barron, and um, I'm just calling you because uh, uh, you, you have obviously. I was very nice. You've obviously 
wholesale taken uh, material off my my um, my website without attribution? And she said, yes. <laughs> and I said, well, there's some sort of integrity issue here. I, I it's there was copyrights on the website um, for for the, many of the pages, not all of them. Um, there is a legal issue involved, but I don't really care about that. Um, all I, I wouldn't, I'm glad that you did that in one way, but without attribution, don't, aren't you bothered by, by not attributing um, uh, all this information that came out of you instead of someone else? And she was not, didn't miss a beat. She said, no, no, of course not. I'm not bothered because all knowledge is universal. <laughs> all knowledge is universal and for everyone. And and I then I said something that's what like, we call a truth in service. By the way, that's a term we don't yeah, use very often here, but it's yeah, but abundance. but I I got her to burp uh, because I said, oh really, um, boy, that's an interesting idea. I can see why you say that. So in my room, sorry, I knew it was so, going to go toward me because I'm afraid of them. Okay, <laughs> go on. Sorry. So why do you have your name on that information then, if it's all universal? Nice. Oh, she she missed a beat and said, "Well, I I just want to be something like I'll use I, I don't remember exactly. I want to be a fountain of information so people can ask me questions about this material." And that so was you a would brilliant never, uh, brilliant counter there. Why, yeah. is your name? Yeah. why did you why, why why have you put your personal name imprint on it then? Uh, so um, yeah, if we're anyway, all one, then it might as well have your name on it. It doesn't really yeah. make a difference whether it's her name or your name, right? It wouldn't really exactly. matter. <laughs> exactly. So the bottom line is uh, she hung up on me pretty quick after that, if I remember right. Um, yeah, that's a big wasp. I can even see yeah, it through Zoom. It's, there's a wasp in my room, and I'm just going to have to be afraid, and we'll, <laughs> we'll finish this. Do you, do you want to? We can pick up again if you want to catch it, and we yeah, stop but, and start again. Yeah, let's uh, let's pause it here, and uh, we we want Joseph at the top of his game here. Yeah. Wasps are nasty, especially yeah. in Maui. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, hold on, I'll get a jar. Okay. <laughs> we were talking about um, a universal knowledge. Uh, oh yes, with, right. The, with the, uh, so uh, so yeah. So we're back. To, well, let's go forward to the next uh, little topic here, a subtopic, um, and that is the five kinds of um, uh, of uh, abilities we have good words for that describe five dimensions of third eye activity. There's clairvoyance, which most people know. You see things. Literally, you see things that other people can't see or you can't see with your um, physical eyes. Clairvoyance, clairaudience, which is um, hearing things that other people um, can't hear. Um, clair, clairsentience, which is feeling uh, things that are sensing things that you can't see clairvoyantly or hear clairaudiently, but you sense, oh, I sense a presence in the room, right? Um, then there's a clair, this is a tough one to say, clairolfaction, clair which uh -huh. is smelling things um, uh, that are not in the room. I frequently, over the years, I'll smell a really strong, um, if I'm doing a read on someone, all of a sudden I'll stop and say, wow, why am I smelling lilacs so much? And the person will slap their forehead and say, my God, that's, I had one in my backyard when I was a kid and I sat with, I couldn't, I just love that smell. So that's, that's clear olfaction. Um, and uh, um, that smell. Taste. 
Sorry. Taste. Taste. Yeah. Uh, um, oh yeah. I always forget the um, the the, um, uh, the, Latin. the Latin. Yeah, the Latin. Uh, what is it? Or you taste literally taste something that's not there that you shouldn't be tasting. Claire gustatorialness. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget that last one. I should have looked at it before our podcast. But so those those are all things that are correlates in the etheric to our body sen body senses all connected uh, but third eye can do re has remote um, non-physical uh, experiences of things that are perceivable with only with third eye uh, access yeah typically uh, I, people think in terms of clairv clairvoyance is the most popular uh, one that people think of um, but mm -hmm. it seems like most people um, lead with clairsentience that tends yeah. to be the sure how it works for people they feel something especially women yeah i had uh, i was aware as a kid um here's a couple of good examples of how powerful this can be i had a really good friend for a while uh, she was very gifted in the um in the third eye domain and uh, she uh, remembers very vividly uh, a, a, an amazing experience she had as a kid that she would had a playmate that was a, a, an, another girlfriend who she spent all sorts of time with, had long conversations, sat in trees to, um, I really respect this woman's uh, gift, uh, and, uh, and we had long conversations. At one point, she talked to her parents, I believe, if my memory is right, when she was older and talked about this be this girlfriend that she had. And the parents looked at each other, or one of the parents, I don't remember, said, well, you know that was just a, a, a made yeah, she up was like idea. a teenager and she yeah. just said i remember the story was she said to her parents like whatever happened to so and so and her yeah. parents were like that was your imaginary friend like yeah. that person didn't exist and she never realized that yeah. that's how deeply she experienced clairvoyantly this mm -hmm. other being uh and so this was hugely disorienting for her uh, bless her heart uh, uh imagine getting the news that this person you thought was flesh and blood it was that dense to her eyes uh, that's yeah. how deep her gift went and so when you clairvoyantly see things uh, of course uh you know they'll if you talk to the wrong medical um uh uh, uh authority <clears throat> they'll want to slap some thorazine on your stat mm. so um a lot of third eye stuff we could we could easily see how all the witch trials and all the things that happened with the with the catholic church and persecuting and killing women who were more gifted than the men in black uh, who were wearing uh you know uh, uh catholic robes uh, was simply gifted women and they were seeing things and feeling things that males uh, especially Catholic males of the time uh, couldn't sense and so let's get rid of them they're evil they're dark here comes another another whole dimension of of, of these gifts of clairvoyance clairaudience clairsentience whatever is that um, uh, many people who experience them are terrified by them yeah uh, terrified because because they're un, they're of unknown origin and unknown substance. They sense they're real. Sometimes they can even see the edges of them. But the for if your person has not been educated that this gift is neutral, uh, that you that you're going to see things. It's only your emotional conditioning in some ways that causes you to contract away from the interface of experiencing mm. with them. Uh, when I was a kid, I had similar. Not was not nearly. I knew they were 
they were opaque beings. I didn't think they were real beings. I had seven um, little dwarfs, uh, little little gnome kind of uh, sweet gnome beings. You mean opaque or like translucent? Not not oh. solid. Oh, okay. Not solid. Opaque, translucent. Yeah, they had edges and they had features, but and they were about three feet, three and a half feet tall, and they were around my my bed every night before I went to bed. And uh, and I asked them once, uh, why why are you there? And um, I would sometimes they'd be talking to me, and I would go out. I'd get up and I couldn't go to sleep. I'd go out to my parents who were watching Jack Parr at the time uh, talk mm -hmm. show, uh, and uh, said, "Hey, uh, my friends are bothering me. Uh, can you tell them to shut up?" And my parents would say, "Oh, you're sleepwalking here. Come uh -huh. back." And uh, and so um, I didn't know. Um, I had them till I, I they were around me around me perceptible till I was twelve. And uh, this was clairvoyance, uh, and, and I heard them speaking to me clairaudiently, and I sensed their their good their good nature and their care for me, clairsentience. And at twelve, uh, they said uh, they had to leave um, because I had to have some room to. Uh, going, I was twelve years old. I started to get a little hair under my arms and elsewhere, and uh, they said, "Well, but don't worry, we'll be back at twenty-four. And uh, so they they left. And uh, I spent the second half of the 12th year and the first half of the 13th year crying. Hmm. Um, uh, and my parents uh, uh, were very brutal with me that way. Uh, why, why they, they called me Sarah Bernhardt, uh, oh, uh, which was a famous ovary motor yeah. uh, actress in the 20s. I remember telling this because of the real life um, impacts of this stuff. They left me and uh, I, I had an anchor since I was born. Uh, basically, since I was a kid of a spirit, uh, a group of spirits who were buffering me from the some of the don't frequencies of um, of the earth that uh, they wanted to shield me from until I could handle them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, and I just cried and cried and cried. And at that point, uh, I um, I started to man up, as it were. I was shamed by my parents and. Yeah. Uh, and so I manned up and uh, went on my very way, liking girls and going through all normal teen kind of stuff. Repressing uh, your emotions like a normal teen. <laughs> like everybody does. Uh, until uh, 24 when I was um, living in a flat um, and uh, all of a sudden they came back. Mm -hmm. And I forgot. I forgot that they were there until they showed up again. Only now they weren't little gnomes about my size. They were grown, tall, skinny beings, but they were the same seven beings. And uh, they they just wanted to come back and keep their promise and said, that's it. Um, you, and of course, I knew I couldn't tell very many people about this, which is why people who have gifts like this can be made to feel crazy because they repress these truths and they start choking on etherics then. They they literally, to the degree you resist them, they will accumulate in you. They will Their effect will accumulate if you resist them. And they'll become more and more problematic because what you resist persists. The same, mm -hmm. same principle happens. And then they left pretty quickly after about 20 minutes of conversation. Uh, my Brie and I now, um, again, clairaudience, clair, clairvoyance and clairsentience happening. Um, we, um, we, there's a tribunal of five female souls that have been, um, uh, around Brie for a while. And we've consulted them, uh, two or three times a month. And, uh, the amazing, amazing group of, uh, yin, yin souls, uh, giving us some really deep and abiding kinds of guidances in some tough times that we've had. Mm -hmm. So this is, this, this is all the superpower side of the, um, of the coin, but, 
you have to be emoto spiritually balanced and, and secure in yourself to be able to have familiarity uh, with with such beings, because there's there's just not positive, not only positive beings out there. Mm-hmm. Just like here, uh, you could bump in somebody walking down the street to the corner uh, bodega, and uh, um, and that person uh, literally is is dark oriented, out of wounding, all out of wounding, no essential evil but wants to do you harm or steal your money or rape you or whatever, just like human beings, there are beings uh, in between human incarnational lives that mean you not good. They they want to frighten you. They want to get off on frightening you. They want to sometimes attach to you. And I'd just like to go back to say uh, to people out there who might have this gift and are a little freaked out by it, is that uh, these beings um, have no power over you except the power of fear that you give them. They only have power to make you afraid if you are already afraid of such ent- entities. Uh, uh, I would used to clean houses uh, for some some uh, uh, bank back in the day where I would go and clean uh, old houses of spirits. And I, I've told you this story before. Mm-hmm. I think I, I might have mentioned on the podcast, I'll say it once more. I would. I remember all the time. I would. Uh, I would just. I was never afraid of them because when they been they were showing me you hugely ugly and dismembering and bloody and gory and horrible monster faces. I uh, I wasn't frightened. I said, "Wow, you you must be really suffering. Uh, look at that look on your faces. You're grimacing and showing your snarling teeth. You know, what what's going on?" that's the way you clean houses. You don't throw white light at them. You don't say uh, 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 the power of Christ compels you. Uh, (laughs) You don't um, do any of that exorcism stuff. You simply love it away. They can't stand bandwidths of love. It's the other side of the universe. That's where, that's where all of our, um, our, uh, our, our tales of vampires come from. And they, they have to go. They can't bear the sun. They've got to get in the back in their graves or where their crypts uh, before dawn. It's the same principle with these entities. Uh, they just can't stand love and light. So that's the best way to clean them. But that means uh, a gifted person can't be afraid of their gift. Mm. And so how to not be, how to, how to deal with this is different for everyone. But um, in the end, when we learn how to emotionally resonate uh, positively with these gifts, it is it is a gift. It's a real boon um, for helping people, especially uh, who have a combination of, of etheric issues, third eye issues with their childhood wounding they're trying to heal. I've, I've always help. found it um, really funny how there are like TV shows like Ghost Hunters and like they go to places to try to get a ghost on film and like we've heard there's a ghost here but when you open your third eye you realize there's like 10 or more times many of them than there are human beings on this planet and the discarnate spirits don't have to be looked for they're in the room with you right now probably five or ten of them there were yeah there were two for example exactly right joseph i'm glad you made that point uh uh, trying to measure etheric energy is like using a microscope to look at the moon it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the wrong it's the wrong tool uh when 9-11 happened there were two um, gifted women psychics uh, living in new york and they were going about their day and all of a sudden all of a sudden there were hundreds and hundreds of souls coming through their flat because beings on the other side can see when you notice them 
they can mm-hmm. see when you notice them. Yeah. And so they 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 had just been in the in the twin towers and uh they were screaming in disorientation. There they they had some people had some advanced time um to uh to de- deepen their terror. They knew they couldn't get down the stairs. Sure. Uh, some se- several people jumped out of 90 floor 90 story windows. Uh, yeah. But they were just so disoriented. They were all dead now, and uh, they were streaming into a place where they could see all these others, and they were swarming around these two women psychics. And bless their hearts, they did with grace as much as best as they could to try to okay, go this way, go that way. You're you're not in body anymore. It's all okay, but it's a big shock. So um, take go look look ahead and look follow the light wherever you see it and um, if you see, so see only darkness you're looking in the wrong direction really good um, directions for these two women they were exhausted by for a couple of days after that another um, example of this I've noticed is when there's a um, retail location that keeps turning over where nothing mm-hmm. succeeds in the place it seems like mm-hmm. every town has one or two places like this Mm-hmm. And it feels it, it, to me, it, they feel like energetic sinkholes, like a bowling ball and a blanket kind of thing. Good. And they're call, haunted. Yeah. There's just yeah. there's just too many beings in there that don't belong. And yes. they color the whole thing kind of gray is how it looks to me, gray and heavy and smoky feeling. And yeah. I, I always uh, wish it's like, oh, there's another new restaurant in that place. Like I give it six months and then yes. a new place comes in because <laughs> they need to be cleaned. Yes, Brie Bri and I had a direct experience of this uh, for a while on Sundays um, for kicks and giggles. Uh, we would, uh, we were, both of us are lifelong renters. We've never had enough money to ever buy a house, uh, and uh, we would um, show up at open houses uh, and just look at what 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 price point this house is and what price point that is, and is it worth it? Just for fun, get out on a Sunday afternoon. So we visited this one house here in town where we live, and. Um, and the, uh, the the realtor was really friendly and really kind of open, soft kind of guy. And and he, he said, that, yeah, we can't understand it. This house should have sold a long time ago. <laughs> the price point is really it's on the low end. Uh, the, they'll accept um, uh, uh, even lower if it's a cash deal, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm going, hmm, I wonder why. So uh, that's what he was sticking us with a spiel there yeah. as we were coming in the front door. And I immediately felt, oh, what is happening in here? And I, it took me about 20 minutes I had to walk through all the rooms of the house. It was a fairly large house to find the room. And I, and I, and I felt the presence of, um, of a, a, a mother. This, this woman lived in this house and had lost her children uh, in, in some sort of boating accident. And she was still visualizing them there and or she was waiting for them there to come home, mm. even though she'd moved on. This was a long time ago, 40, 40, 50 years ago, a boating accident. And uh, it took me a while to connect to her because she was so looking past me at, at the projections of her children where they should be waiting for them. And I, uh, she finally noticed I felt her. And uh, I, I, I said, wow, you're so sad. And she was shocked mm. that a, a carnate being noticed her because she watches all the people who are coming in to buy the house, you know, and she just ignores them. And so we well, had a well, long... Well, those people feel her enough to not want to buy the house, but Absolutely not enough right. to know what they're feeling. Yeah, Exactly. So we, she and I had a long conversation. Brie got in and on the end of it, if I remember right. 
And uh, I told her that um, that the kids were all around her in spirit, wanting her to take her focus away from this physical location to where they are now. Mm -hmm. They had died in a boating accident, and they were all waiting for her to. Um, uh, they would not reincarnate again until Mama was um, was relieved of her hor horrific grief. So I was able to turn her. Uh, toward uh, coax her to look to her left about 22 degrees as I came up with some number, you know me in numbers that way. Yeah. Um, and she saw them. And uh, I, I get all teary just thinking of remembering this. And mm. she was gone. She There they were. She 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 left the house. That was it. And um, uh, I, I, what, the, the realtor was watching me talking to um, the realtor someone. was there watching just for a moment then he left because he was too freaked out um, <laughs> so and I, I went down and i said listen here's now i think i know why your house this house hasn't sold and i told him um, mm -hmm. i'm sensitive that way and he said no no kidding tell me more about that and he he was really open to that mm -hmm. uh, he was not closed at all and um so we, we watched i watched the one ad or the uh the, to see uh, if it would sell. Uh -huh. To sell, Possibly. and about two and a, two and a half weeks later, sure enough, it nice. sold. Well, and that leads me to a question because I've done stuff like that too, and you know, we use the word haunted as if it's malevolent, but they're just wounded, just like people are. Right. Why, why is it? It seems to take so little for them to get oriented and disappear like that. Uh, you know, go where they're supposed to go. Whereas a human being who was stuck like that would need like you know, a year of therapy, typically, why, why is it seems like so little goes so far when we do that? Because of the lack of density. Oh, uh, right. The, the conditioning isn't as thick, thickly no, uh, no. intertwined. Uh -huh. Right. They've got more information uh, than we would be in, ensconced in, in gravitationally dense uh, physical bodies. Uh, mm -hmm. So, um, in that That's sense, so interesting. Wow. Yeah. It, it, they, they, and then you know what? Most of them are suffering so much and they're so happy yeah. in some ways to get some someone to help them. You got a lot of leverage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and the deeper they can sense an authority in, a, in someone like me who's who are, is, is confident in their gifts and, and compassionate at the same time. And that's a combination of competency and compassion. Uh, that is got them all twisted up and the lack of that got them all twisted yeah. up in the first place. When I first started to get the ability to, to see discarnate spirits, I would go to graveyards just for yeah. kicks and giggles, like you said, yes. <laughs> and would talk to the spirits that were just hanging around there stuck and, you know, yeah. help them move on. And Oh, I didn't know that, Joseph. Yeah. That's not something oh. I usually talk about. <laughs> well, you're just giving uh, more evidence to what we said earlier in the podcast about your third eye gifts, right? Well, when they first came on, it was really vivid for me. And it was like I couldn't not see them. And then I managed yeah. to sort of sort it out again. But yeah, that was the main thing. I, I, I thought I was imagining it because it seemed like they needed so little to be able to have these breakthroughs. I'm like, am I just making this up? Um, mm -hmm. But the, the lack of density makes sense. Well, it's it's that, and the other dimension is the authority of your own soulful frequencies. Mm. Um, that if if you're tentative with your gifts, or you're you're not as an old a soul, or not as gifted a soul, you can a lot of them will just ignore you. But you must have had an imprimatur, as we used to say, uh, of um, authority in your soul soulful being to make them go away that quickly. So that's good, wonderful. 
Yeah, like you said, it's um, it's a whole world that people find really interesting. And um, what I find so fascinating, again, is how people do sense this stuff and they just don't sense it enough very often mm -hmm. to be able to like work with it. And I've yeah. met a number of people who, um, you know, because for me, sometimes my third eye would just be, you know, I used to hang out on the beach a lot and sunsets and play guitar and meet people and um, something about the that time of day, the twilight would make oh, me start yeah. to see spirits more. And I would, you know, just sort of for fun be like, oh, you know, there's this guy hanging out with you with this big white beard and he's in these old jeans. And they're like, that's my, that sounds like my grandfather. And it's like, he's hanging out with you. And then they would start to get afraid sometimes. I've done this at least a dozen times. And I'm like, well, why, why are you so afraid? And they're like, well, I've always sensed those kinds of things. And and they would start to relate, um, you know, the fear and anxiety they had around it. And just by sitting with them and like, well, you know, okay, there's a being, you know, over your right shoulder. Can you sense it? And they're like, yeah. And they and I want it to go away. Well, hold on a second. What does it look like? And <laughs> does, is there a smell? And we sort of do it together. Yeah. And I would help uh -huh. them go further into it, like we were saying, so they're not contracting from it. And I've helped a, a handful of people lose their fear of those beings entirely just by going further in so to help them see that it means them no harm. It's very often a guide or a relative or right. you know, not, exactly. not usually something malicious. Yeah. So I'd like to um, uh, bookmark here um, that today's podcast, look, we, we can talk uh, lightly uh, and affectionately about these kinds of domains, third eye, uh, 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 real domains that are not perceptible by the, the six human senses. And, and we're not being so metaphysically um, structured today. We're talking yeah. about experiences. It's, it's really nice mm. to have this kind of uh, different frequency. Mm. Um, I'd like to uh, complete here, um, and I'd like to give a, a, a few minutes of uh, foretaste uh, next time. Okay. I want to talk about, uh, I'll talk more about it next time, but I just want to put the headlight out here that um, every Eastern and East Eastern um, spiritual, almost every Eastern spiritual teaching and modern physics and empiricism have long held, uh, agree on the fact that everything is energy. Everything is energy. Because we've been talking today about basically an energetic realm that is vibrating in frequencies that our senses can't pick up, but is just as real as uh, what, the chair we're sitting on. Um, so uh, basically modern empiricism and modern science uh, agrees with ancient um, uh, spiritual teachings that we're just made of energy. And a subset of that is that emotions are just um, funny, sticky kinds, forms of thoughts, and are just energies also, just like thoughts, just like our, our, our physical being is all made of energy, our thoughts are made of energy, and all of our emotions are made of energy. And so once we, we accord or our, our, um, go along with that, then we can use will to relate to uh, these bad thoughts or thoughts that that you don't want to have or these emotions you don't want to have and we can choose our way out of experiencing them or thinking them and this is all based on an idea that uh, the, the uh, i am energy therefore i am mm. everything is energy i am energy therefore i am and uh, identity is firmly planted on a very different assumption 
that there is something upstream of energy that energy is made of that we can't map with any any uh, uh, um, microscope, electron microscope in that sense, or any anything they measure now, electromagnetic measurements of quantum foam, for example. Upstream of all forms of energy is something divine that uh, we call, uh, identity calls ICOR, E-I-C-H-O-R. I borrowed it from the old Norse uh, legends of the ichor of the gods, the blood of the gods, mm -hmm. I-C-H-O-R. I just added an, an E on the front of it for emotion. Um, mm -hmm. So I want to talk more about ichor because um, when we're talking about chakras and creation relational interventions, we're talking about um, being able to access and um, and utilize ichor. You know how to do it. It's upstream of energy, meaning it can make operations on dissonant energies that energy itself can't unwork. In other words, you need something out of, if you've got a, like Einstein said in this, in this domain, you can't solve a problem in the same domain it was uh, created. Energy itself can't, can't, block, can't really unblock problems with energy. They're too much a part of it. You've got to get outside it and reach in to um, get underneath the energetic patterns and accessing, uh, learning to access I-Core um, can do that. So I wanna talk about uh, how we're not made of energy. Uh, we're made of I-Core, where it comes from and what how it informs the whole paradigm of identity next time. Wonderful, okay. look forward to that. And here's the moment where I wish we had some call-ins. Uh, hey, I had this experience yes, with- we're gonna, uh, Yes, caller, yes, Bob <laughs> from Mississippi, you're on with us now. Yeah. yeah, I keep I keep seeing uh, this wonderful house and, and plantation that uh, we live on. We don't grow cotton anymore. But my family did, but I'm bothered every night by um, by these uh, uh, beings at night that scare me. And yeah, well, what? Then, what and then we would about talk that? about that for five minutes, and Bob would thank us for the help, and that then we'd really be the metaphysical car talk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that would okay. Be fun. We can do that at some point. Yeah, yes. there's, there's web apps where we could, there's, a, I think it's Stitcher, I forget, there's, there's a way we could be recording live and take in chat questions. And so if listeners, that's what you want, tell me because we respond to interest, but I'm not going to do it just to, uh, just, um, yeah, I'm not going to do it unless it's called for. So call for it if that's what you want. We could do this with live people, you know, with a live audience. There's, there's technology for that. Oh, that I would maybe that's our next uh, iteration of our podcasts, uh, or not to replace, but to add, add on, uh, mm -hmm. where where one, every third podcast we have an open ended one like that, sure. uh, where people could ask questions about the last three podcasts. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm right with you out there. If you if you find this um, series interesting, challenging, um, uh, and you want to be able to be part of it, uh, write Joseph. Drive them crazy, uh, and uh, we'll get the technology together to be able to do it. Sure, yeah, no problem. Okay, thank okay. you, Stace, and uh, we'll tune in next time for um, the completion of creation relationality. Probably, I think Probably. we'll do a third one. We'll take care of because we're going to we're going backwards from expressions to forms. Now we'll go to essences, Essence. and that's that's I core. Okay. So, all right. All right. Until then. Thanks for listening. You bet. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and identity, 
please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.